uh, last week, uh, Joel kicked us off in a new series, All on Prayer. And, and so uh, maybe many of you are familiar with what we call Lent or a Lenten season, um, but really it's, it's a season of preparation. It's a journey that leads us to Easter. And so uh, for, for thousands of years, followers of Jesus have used this time as a way to prepare for Easter and, and to view Easter in this kind of light. And they did so with three core practices of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving or giving to the poor. And so this year, we're focusing mainly on prayer. Uh, next year, I think we're going to hit um, fasting and giving to the poor. But I do want to highlight a couple resources before we jump in and before we pray. Uh, if you are, some of you ask, actually ask for like reading recommendations and different things. And so I just want to highlight some of these. You're going to hear me quote maybe a couple uh, things from these books. But the first one is called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. Um, so it's by Tyler Statton, a great book. So many of our staff are reading it. And then uh, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal people. So I just want to highlight some of those resources if you're interested in it. And last week, Joel kicked us off, kicked us off uh, just talking about prayer as just this worshipful enjoyment of our Father's presence. And so I'm going to talk through prayer and where we're going with this series. The goal of this series is we're going to talk about three things. It's talking about being with God, talking to God, and hearing from God. And so over the next uh, five more weeks, we're going to talk through each of these things. Specifically, this morning, we're going to talk about being with and talking to. I like this quote from Pete Gregg. He says, a real relationship with God means walking with him daily, like Adam and Eve in the garden. It means talking with him intimately, like Moses, with whom the Lord would speak face to face as one speaks to a friend. And it means listening attentively to his voice, because as Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. So to start off, let's pray, because we're doing a, service, or a series on pray, we should probably pray, right? So Jesus, we thank you for this morning, and God, we do, we thank you that church can be fun, that, that, that God, you are not boring, you're not a boring God. And so my prayer is this morning... My prayers and my hope is I would bring your word to life, and we'd experience the joy of what it looks like to live a life with you, to, to, to have this intimate relationship with you, to experience you in extraordinary ways. You have so much for us, more than we can comprehend or imagine. My prayer and my hope is we'd all say yes to that, that invitation. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to share with you this morning one of my favorite songs, okay? And so um, everybody have a favorite song. You guys have favorite songs. If you create, you know, a playlist, you know, back in the day, in my generation, you know, you would illegally download from Napster and create your own playlists, right? Um, and, and maybe uh, many of you did that. You'd create your own playlist. Uh, maybe many of you, uh, you know, you would call in um, to a radio station, and you remember dedicating a song to your special someone, right? That, that was that, that happened. But what I want to share with you this morning is, is, a, is, is I, li I really do like the song. It's about 13 years old. But um, I really like it because there's, the st there's a story behind the song. 
Does any of your favorite songs usually have a story to it, remember? So uh, my brother, uh, one of the things him and his wife did was while um, his wife was in labor, they created this playlist, um, legally, I would imagine, and they would play this, this playlist while uh, my sister-in-law was giving birth, and whichever song was playing as one of my niece or nephews came out, that became their song. And so I've been with my brother, and so we've, maybe that song has, uh, has popped on, and, uh, and he'd be like, hey, Emma, this is your song, you know, which I think would be weird for her, like, I don't know how to feel about that. Um, but anyway, so I want to share with you, there's, I'm going to share just a little bit of the song, and, and you know, you don't have to like it, but I want to just give you some context for the story we begin. So let's go ahead and play this song, it's a little bit from the music video. a good part. It's really good when you're running. That part kicks in. Uh, so this song is called Sweet Disposition. It's from a band called Timber Trap. Um, anybody ever heard this song? Like four. All right. There's not some of you. All right. It's an alternative uh, music. Um, you know, so in high school, you know, I was weird. Uh, I was a little confused, you know, teenager where I like showed steers at the fair and I like punk music, punk rock music. And I didn't own a skateboard. So... I was a poser. Anyway, um, <laughs> but that's, that's what I was. I, I liked alternative music, still like alternative music. And so, but this song uh, has a story behind it. I'm going to weave this story throughout the service uh, because my brother, a different brother, and I share this favorite song. Uh, and this story has to do with prayer. And so this came out about 13 years ago. This song came out in 2009. And uh, at the time, I was 23 years old. I was in San Jose, Costa Rica. And at a, at a YM, YM base, which it stands for Youth with a Mission. And so uh, this is a five to six month program. And so I'm there, and uh, for many of you, it was in the year 2010. And that's when the Haiti earthquake happened, the big Haiti earthquake that happened there. And so part of the process of a DTS, uh, which I was part of, is you have three months where you're at a base, and it's a lot of discipleship, and you get teaching, and you do some local outreach. But then the last two months is more like a mission trip, and you get to go wherever. And you pray about it, and then that's where you go. And so when the earthquake happened, there was nine of us, nine out of the 30 decided, hey, we're going to go to Haiti and, and help and assist in there. And so uh, we're praying. I think we had to raise like $12,000 for the nine of us. And so we are praying, and we're getting along, and we're sending out you know, support letters trying to raise uh, money uh, to go on this trip. And we're like seven to ten days away where we had to like make the, we had to call and book the flights. And if we didn't get $9,000, I think we had raised $3,000 at that point. If we didn't raise $9,000 in about 10, less than 10 days, uh, then we would have to change our outreach and not go to Haiti. And so we were getting kind of desperate. And we, so we decided to pray and we got together and we decided we're gonna fast uh, for a day and pray. We we're at that kind of desperation point. And I think sometimes with prayer, that's often where uh, it is, is with desperation, then comes prayer, right? There's a, there's a thing about desperation that, that often gets us to go on our knees, and, and it gets us to wake up. And the reality is, I think that's not just for, that's just for, not just for Christians, that's just for humans. That there, the statistics have shown that prayer is actually a human thing, not just a Christian thing or religious thing. There was a Gallup research study that, that said more Americans will pray in a given week than will exercise, drive a car, have sex, or go to work. 
about seven years ago, uh, a, a poll in England, they, they surveyed actually non-religious or atheist, uh, those who identify as atheist. And given the opportunity to be anonymous, uh, over 25% would say they take part in some spiritual activity each month, which typically includes prayer. There's a, a doctor, he's a surgeon, um, and spends uh, most of his holidays and extra time going into like war zone areas to do surgery uh, for those who are affected. His name is David Knott. And he's quoted as saying this, I am not religious, but every now and again I have to pray. And I do pray to God. And I ask him to help me because sometimes I am suffering badly. It's only now and again that I'm able to turn to the right frequency to talk to him. And there is not a doubt in my mind there is a God. But I don't need him every day. I need him every now and again. But when I do need him, he is certainly there. And I think that kind of sums up what we think about prayer, isn't it, if we're real honest? That sometimes for many of us, if we scan the room, we're maybe in different positions and perspectives that, that for even those who consider themselves followers of Jesus, that they would, they would admit that they don't find a whole lot of life in prayer. It's kind of like eating vegetables, or like a kale smoothie. It's like, you know it's good for you. Like, you know you probably should do it, it's good for you, but you don't enjoy it. And so for honest, some of us think that way. That prayer for a lot of us, it, it, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it, it feels like, I don't know about you, and it feels like it's never good enough, right? That God's somewhat probably disappointed in how often we pray. But can I just normalize something for you a little bit? Like, it's probably one of the hardest moments in our history to pray. Like, just think about your phone for a second. <laughs> like, we have this technology always available at, at our fingertips and all the different notifications, all these different distractions, and that's caused us, to, like, our attention span is, like, less than goldfish, right? Because, and that's, supposedly that's true, um, scientists shown that our attention span has gotten less and less and less because we're always distracted, we're always after all these things. So if you struggle to pray consistently, just, just know that you're not alone, okay? Don't feel shame. Like, just see this invitation that God has for you because prayer is this portal to life with God. It's, it's this life, that, that it, it's this invitation to experience the life that we're all craving, that we all want, that's even, even in our deepest desires. Prayer is that portal. And so we're gonna look at what, how Jesus, because Jesus modeled this. If anybody didn't need to pray, it would be Jesus, right? Yet he consistently prayed in such a way, as Joel shared last week, that it was attractional to his disciples. His disciples are like, teach us to pray. And so that's what we're gonna talk to a little bit about how do we pray in such a way we can experience being with God, but also what it means to talk to him. So if you have your Bibles, we're gonna Matthew 6. We're gonna be in verse five, excuse me, five through 13. And so Jesus is actually, this is part of his Sermon on the Mount, um, and he's talking about those three core practices that I talked about with fasting, with giving to the poor, and also with prayer. So he's going to give some instructions, not just about uh, to whom to pray to, but the how. So if you want to read with me, we're going to be in Matthew 6 again, verse 5 through 13. It should be on your screen. Jesus said, whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
So we're going to pause there a minute. So Jesus kind of gives some examples of to don't pray like this, but pray like this. And so he calls out the hypocrites. That word just means actor. Means, so what he's basically saying is these hypocrites or these people are like actors. They're trying to perform or project something that's not really there. And so one of the things Jesus is saying is, is prayer's not a performance. Prayer's not a performance. When you get before God, you don't need to project anything. And I, and I think, honestly, performance mentality is one of the like, li- biggest life suckers of an intimate relationship with God, where you feel like you have to perform or project something that isn't real. The reality is, like, God wants you in your entire being. Like, could you imagine trying to, like, project something in a relationship and, like, put on this whole false self? That, like, that's not going to be good for a relationship. And so Jesus is saying, don't be like that. Don't, prayer is not a performance. But he says like this. He's like, pray like this. I want you to go to a secret place where you can be real. Because the only place there is it's just between you and him just between you and your heavenly father. What Jesus is probably referring to is every home in that era would have um, this small little almost closet-like room in their house. And there was no windows. This was like their safe place. So like they didn't have a lot of banks or different things to even put, like they didn't even have the stock market to invest in. And so one of those things they would do is they would collect possessions or they would have um, their most valuable things and they would hide it in this little room. And often, it was probably the only room that locked in the house. So if someone tried to break in and steal your possessions, they'd be hidden and safe in this little room. And so Jesus is encouraging people to go into this little ordinary room. That is the place where you can, you don't have to worry about performance. You just get to be with Jesus. And it's interesting, of all the places Jesus could tell us to go and pray, he picks a closet in our room, in our house. I mean, if you think about it, Jesus could have said, hey, when you pray, if you really want to experience God, you should go to the synagogue. It's like our modern-day church. If you really want to experience me, go to the church. Or the temple. The temple was this place, right? It was housed the presence of God. He could have said, hey, if you really want to encounter this God of the universe, go to the temple. He could have, he could have encouraged, go to the mountain where uh, Moses was in the burning bush. There, if you go there, you really can experience the presence of God. But Jesus picks an ordinary closet, an ordinary room, because he's, he's basically making this statement, right? That any ordinary place can be a place where we encounter God. That it, it doesn't matter that actually they, these sacred spl- spaces, and often they refer to these sacred places as thin places. It's where the earthly realm and the heavenly realm were particularly thin and people in, could encounter heaven. So what Jesus is saying, right, he, he's going to share in a little bit, like, our Father who art in heaven meant that this God is as close as the air we breathe. It means these ordinary places, these places in secret can be thin places where we can experience the extraordinary presence of God. So if we're going to have this cultivate this life of prayer, I'd encourage you to find your secret place. Find your secret place, a place that you can go that is your place where you go to meet with your heavenly father. Maybe it's a chair, maybe it's a couch. For me, I love going outside. Uh, For Jesus, who didn't own a house, it was to the mountains, that's where he would go. So maybe for some of you, it's a garden where you can go and experience 
um, the presence of God. But for you, I think it's just, it has some intentionality when we pick a place and say, this is my secret place, this is my thin place, we come expectant to meet God. And when we do that over and over again, you'll see that this ordinary place becomes this thin place where we experience the extraordinary. All right, let's keep reading. So here we are in verse 7, because we're going now from being with God to how do we talk to God. So he says, when you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask him. Therefore, you should pray like this, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So again, Jesus goes, don't pray like this, pray like this. So what he's referring to is the pagans or Gentiles. These are the people who worshiped many different gods. So think like sun god, you know, water god, all these different gods. And, and so how they would pray is they would kind of do this thing where they, they would uh, trying to manipulate these gods to get what they want. And so they would do these repetitions and they would try to compound all these different deities' names to almost like try to get their intention. And I think there's a big difference here that we're going to learn here. And, and the way they prayed is they prayed in such a way that these pagans, these pagan gods, they had a scarcity mindset. That these gods, you really had to get their attention. So one of the ways they would do that is even what you would refer to is even that they would go to so far to try to get the, these gods' attention is they would sacrifice their kids. This, you guys get this picture. This is this desperation. Don't, and they would just try and pray over and babble over and over again to try because there, it was a scarcity mindset. Did you notice the difference of Jesus? How Jesus tells us to pray. He says, don't babble. You don't need to babble because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. There's a difference when we pray in that way, when we pray and acknowledge that this heavenly father knows what we need, that we don't have to get his attention, that we don't have to try and do things to earn his favor. He says he knows what you need. So why pray? If he knows, some of you are right, you're like, why pray? If he knows what we need, why do we need to pray? Because our Father loves to hear from us, right? Our Father wants to hear from us. And because of that, we can keep it simple. And we can keep it real. And we can just see that prayer is really about ordinary conversation. For lack of time, I'm going to go through this kind of quickly because I don't know about you, uh, if you've ever tried to be intentional about praying, I know earlier on in college, I'm like, all right, I'm going to pray. I'm going to wake up at 530. I'm going to pray. And I get my journal out, and it's like, I'm going to pray. And it's like five minutes seems like an hour. And you're like, I don't even know what to say. I kind of ran out of things to say. All right, I think I'm going to go eat breakfast now. Um, <laughs> maybe as you. So <laughs> I was reminded of this. Uh, in fifth grade, um, there used to be this thing, this, for a younger generation, I'm gonna, there used to be this thing called a landline phone. And um, <laughs> it had a string to it that went into a wall. And so if there was a girl that you kind of liked, you had to call her on this thing, and her dad could answer the phone. <laughs> and so you'd hang up real quick. Anyway, um, and now you guys, like, you don't even like, want to call each other. You just text each other, right? 
And so here I am in fifth grade. Yes. Here I am in fifth grade. I got my, my, this girl I had a crush on. Sorry, it was not you, Jess. Uh, I don't love her anymore, you know. And I remember, like, okay, I'm going to call her. And this fear went over me of, like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to say? Like, what if there's this dead silence? What do I do? So I literally got out a piece of paper, and I, like, jotted down. This is how dorky I was. And talk about this, talk about this, talk about this, and then say this if it gets to the point where it's, like, you need an out, right? And so I had this preset idea of what I was going to talk about. And actually, it went well, like, because I was able to think through, here's some different things we talk about. And so when I think when it comes to talking to God, it's actually pretty helpful maybe for some of us to have these preset things to get us stirring to talk to God. And I'm going to really make it simple for you. There's really only three things that you can talk about God about. Now, there's a lot of different variety and a lot of different things, but here are the three. We're going to cover two of these this morning, and the third one we're going to cover next week. But it's talking to God, talking with God about what is good and beautiful, talking with God about what is bad or evil or ugly, and then asking. Those are these cool, I'm going to make it really simple for you. So let's first go through these really quickly. The first one is talking with God about what is good about him. We call that adoration. It's this ability to acknowledge who the God and who we're talking to. This is what worship is all about. This is what we just sang and did. It's this type of prayer, a prayer where we're expressing to God what is good about him. It's, a, it's adoration. is this place of prayer where we discover that God's love is the defining reality of every square inch of creation, including me and you. Now, some of you are like, so is God, like, really insecure, like, that we have to tell him how good he is all the time? Adoration is for our sake isn't it? It's, we need to know who we're talking to. We need to understand that the baseline of all of this is we have a generous God who loves us. And so for our benefit, because here's the thing, if, if we don't practice adoration and acknowledgement of who he is, then we're going to make it about us. And so that has to be the baseline. And so for me, here I am in Costa Rica, and I'm praying, and I'm asking God, would, God, would you show up? Would you, would you come and would you raise this $9,000? We began praying. I went on a walk, and as I'm walking, I'm realizing, oh, this trip isn't about God. This, this trip isn't about making much of God. I'm experiencing anxiety because I want it to reflect me. I want it to look good. I want people to say, oh, Johnny went to Haiti. How awesome is he? So I had to come, and I had to come to our meeting, and I said, guys, I just have to confess. I'm making this about me, and I, I don't want to make it about God. And God kind of warned me that if it's about me, then that he's not going to be behind this trip. And so we had a confession time, and actually other people began confessing and sharing their hearts and just different things through a group. And then at the end of it, we just had this piece of like, this is about God. God knows what we need. We're going to just trust in him. And this is what adoration does. It, it puts us in the right perspective when we begin expressing to God who he is, and which leads to the other part, which is gratitude or thanksgiving. It's expressing to God what is good in the world and our life. See, gratitude isn't just the beginning of prayer. It's the heart and soul of our entire relationship with God. We serve a generous God, not a scarcity God's 
who wants to pour it out. James 1.17 says this, every good and perfect gift is from above. So for me, often I, I do this. I, I start out my journal of adoration. I go to gratitude, and I just list out just things, simple things. God, thank you for my family. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for this cup of coffee. Thank you for the sunrise. It's pointing to this idea that God is the source of every good and perfect thing. And then it goes to the next part. Because not everything is good and perfect, though, right? Both in us and in this world. And so that's the second aspect of prayer, is expressing what's not good in the world and what's not good in us. That one, that's when we recognize things in us that's not good in us, that's called confession. When we experience it in the world, it's called lamenting. And both of those are what are essential in a prayer life because you need to be real with God. He can handle it. So I'm going to start with confession. We kind of talked about this in Ash Wednesday, so I'm going to be quick. But again, it's just acknowledging what is not good in us, an awareness that something isn't as it should be. What confession is, could you imagine going to the doctor and saying, doctor, I'm sick. And he'd be like, okay, what's wrong? I don't know. I'm just sick. Can you fix me? What's the doctor going to be like? I need to know the symptoms, right? I need to know what's the underlying issue. If not, I can't just diagnose and fix gentleness. Confession is this ability to say, this isn't right in me, and this is not, I need healing in this area. I'm dealing with anger. I want God to, to meet me there. I, I, have, I struggle with lying. I need God to fix that in me. It's a, and it's an acknowledgement. Tyler, in his book, he, he talks about in spiritual maturity, we shouldn't need to confess less, but actually more. I love this quote where he says, the desperate need of our time is not for successful Christians, popular Christians, or winsome Christians. It's for deep Christians. And the only way to become a deep Christian is through the inner excavation called confession. The pathway of spiritual maturity is a descent, not a descent. A maturing community is a confessing community, not a church without sin, but a church without secrets. So this should be a regular part of just coming before God and saying, this is not right in me. I want you, Jesus, you have to meet me here. And here's the greatest thing about Jesus. Our sin, our, what we, what we, when we say sin, we're saying it's like this reality. We don't trust that God has what's best for us. So we're choosing these other things as a replacement. That doesn't push Jesus away from you. He asks you to bring that to him. All right can't preach too much. All right, next, lamenting. Lamenting, I'm going to talk really quickly about that. Again, that's just this reminder, right? The world isn't as it should be. Amen, right? You guys familiar? You guys still awake? All right. Am I not getting very fun? All right, lamenting. Again, it goes back to we can be real. Like, have you read, read the Psalms, any? Have you read that? <laughs> Scholars say about two-thirds of it is lamenting. Like, and David is like real. I mean, he's like, like he wants people killed. <laughs> God, will you just kill these people? Will you just wipe these people out? That's pretty raw. It's pretty rawness. Maybe many of you have felt that same thing too. 
But it's this prayer book, right? There's a whole book called Lamentations. It's like the book of complaining. <laughs> Psalm 55 says this, but I will call on God and the Lord will rescue me. Morning, noon, and night, I cry out in my distress and the Lord hears my voice. Isn't that awesome? Like our complaining, God actually hears us. And uh, there's a thing in there. Um, if we don't complain to God, guess what we're going to do? We're going to complain to our spouse and our kids, and it's going to come out somewhere, right? We need a place to express it. My wife and I, we, we, we both journal, and we have this rule, like when, if, some of, if one of us passes away, we just burn our journals because <laughs> there's things in there that people probably shouldn't read. Because we just have chosen that God wants to be us to be honest. He already knows it, right? He already knows it. It's not for our sake. It's, it's, it's not for his sake. It's for our sake, right? So again, the most forward response is to talk to God and what's on your mind. That's it. These ordinary places become these thin places where we meet the extraordinary God. And it's just this ordinary conversation of just telling God what, what's good and beautiful, what's bad and ugly, where we experience the extraordinary. And so this week, I'd encourage you to journal. Find, first, find your thin place. Decide on, okay, this is going to be my prayer place. And then if you need to, just like fifth grader Johnny trying to, um, you know, get a girl, just go through these things. So just start off with adoration. Sometimes a psalm is helpful. Uh, then go to Thanksgiving. List these things that you're, thanks, you're thankful for. Begin lamenting on things and things, how things are going. Maybe things aren't going as you would like. And then finally end in confession. And I know many of you are like, I don't like to journal, Johnny. I get it. I understand. But one of the beauties about journaling is you can pull out a journal for 13 years ago. And you can look at your prayers. And you can look at the things you were praying about. And so here it is, Saturday, March 27th, 2010, where it's the day after our little prayer exercise. It's the day after we confessed and we acknowledged that, um, that this, we want this to be about God. We want it to, to, to make it glorify God. And so in one day, the next day, we raised half of that amount in $4,500. The next day... On Sunday, uh, or on Saturday, I got a call from my brother. So here, Temper Trap was having a concert in Columbus. And so Temper Trap's playing a show, and so I knew this was going to happen because my brother was like, had bought these tickets even before I left this trip. And I was like, oh, I wish I could go. And so my brother goes to this concert, and he calls me Saturday and says, Johnny, you'll never believe this. Um, the concert was awesome. But that wasn't even the best part. I actually got to meet the bassist of the band. And I got to talk to him, and, and we actually went to a bar or restaurant afterwards, and we just started sharing our story. Johnny, he actually grew up in YWAM. And he began uh, revealing to me of just where he's at in his faith, and he's struggling with this fame to live out his faith. faith. His, his parents were YWAM directors in Australia. And he began sharing this story. My brother said I got to pray for him right there in the middle of that bar or restaurant. And like, if you know my brother, that was, that was very out of the comfort zone for my brother. And so my brother began sharing about my trip and going to Haiti. 
and the guy goes, come with me. So he takes my brother, they go on the tour bus, pulls out $100 and a t-shirt, and says, I want to support your brother on this trip. Now, $100, that, doesn't, that wasn't even what I was excited about. Is it was this incredible, extraordinary experience where the Father revealed himself in such an incredible way that has changed my prayer life from here on out. Because God would use one of my favorite bands to encounter my brother, to then give money to that, and then I got to go to Haiti, wear the shirt, and, and I sent a picture of it. I don't even know if you've ever got it, of thank you for you know, being a part of this trip. This is the kind of God we serve. He's extraordinary. He takes ordinary things, ordinary people. And, and what I was praying about is through this series and even this morning is that song is called Sweet Disposition. And my prayer is that the word disposition means the predominant or prevailing tendency of one's spirit. It's, it describes one inclination or mood or prevailing ten- tendency. So my hope is prayerlessness wouldn't be our tendency or, or our disposition. Independence wouldn't be our disposition. I can do life on my own disposition, but it would cultivate in us a prayerful disposition as we are expected to experience the extraordinary through the ordinary. And that's my hope, is that's what our prayer is, to have a heart for prayer.